0: Good morning, uh, my name is Gabe Phillips, and we have not been introduced this my lovely wife Fiona, with our uh, youngest boy who is not biting any children at the moment, uh, just bites us every now and again with his teeth, but uh, uh, what else would he be biting us with? But anyway, sorry, I apologise about that. We've also got a little girl, Lydia Grace, and I've also got my mom and dad here, all the way from Victoria, and just to round off the family, we've got my mother-law here, uh, Corinne, as usual, <laughs> which is wonderful to So lovely. I forgot her birthday earlier, last year, so she won't let really me forget it, so Corinne, it's lovely to have you here as well. But um, before we do anything else, I just want to honour Shelly. Just Shelly uh, yes. is uh, somebody who carries a large uh, amount of the weight of life change Milton in terms of the op- uh, operational uh, reality with Fee and the team. But just uh, she's a f- uh, volunteer who does this an uh, amazing job. And just want to honour uh, Shelly for the way you pioneer Milton and lead yeah. us so well. So why don't we thank Shelly for all the work she does? And I said to Brent, you're doing announcements really well. like, oh, she's good. She's good. That, oh, that's very short. Perfect. Perfect. Just to let you know, if you are visiting, we are in a 21-day fast. We are down seven days, 14 to go. We can do it. We can do it. We're really excited. And uh, along with the fasting, what we're doing is we're having prayer meetings throughout the week. You can find uh, the dates, the times and dates of those on our website and on social media. But if you need to have got space for one prayer meeting a week, why don't you come join us on Wednesday evening in this venue. We had our first one this past Wednesday and I uh, heard it was amazing. We'd love to have you come join us just for an hour, 7 till 8 p.m. Wednesday evening here. As we pray for Milnerton, we pray for our city, we pray for God to do what only God can do. So why don't you come and do that with us. Um, just to let you know, we won't be selling food at the Milton meeting for the next two weeks, just so people avoid temptation. So, um, But we will be serving coffee for, for people who are visiting. And for some of you, I know people are just having black coffees. Go nuts, enjoy it, and uh, we'll just watch you and celebrate as you drink your coffee. But it's really good to be together. Uh, it's an exciting day for us as life changes, but I really believe excited for what God's wanting to do this morning with us. We are in week two of our series uh, Ten Ten. As Mark mentioned last week, in 2020, we're going back to 10.10. 10. And that's not a year or a date, but a scripture, we believe, God has laid on our, hand, our hearts. John chapter 10, verse 10 will be on the screen here behind me. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus speaking says, I can, that they may have life and habits abundantly. We wanted to remind us this reason why the scripture is so real for us. The scripture is so uh, taking hold of our hearts. is the simplicity of its statement. And the fact that there is an enemy who wants to steal, kill and destroy you. And on the other hand, there's a good shepherd, a savior named Jesus. Who says, I have not just got religious life, not just a moralistic life, not just something to add on to your life. I've got real life and life to the full and in abundance. And that is the, the dichotomy of the spiritual life. There is no neutral ground. We're ripping the neutrality of our hearts away because our hearts love just to be lukewarm. Our hearts love just to be passive. Our hearts love just to be in and out. But actually the gospel says there's either you're either hearing the enemy's voice who's wanting to steal, kill, and destroy or you are hear my voice, which wants to lead you to life and life in abundance. And I don't know about you, but that life and life in abundance, or is that the uh, version saying life to the full? That sounds really, really good to me right now. I don't know about you, but I want life and life to the full. And we are wanting to give ourselves some strategies to help us run into this thing called abundant life. Any, any hands here? Who wants abundant life? If it's not, come on, I see them. I see them. So what I was thinking, I wanted to help us navigate this journey, what the Bible calls a race to, to abundant life. And it got me thinking again, I tell lots of stories about them because I only have one family and I've only got one life. But my brother Simon, the year was 1998. And he was a, a young man in high school. And our all-boy high school, 1,500 boys in Zimbabwe, we, we had a thing called Interhouse Athletics. It's quite big in schools these days, I hear still as well. Uh, but '98 was the year where uh, we had Craig David was top of the the pops. We had uh, Gangsters Paradise, just some throwback for anyone who wants to situate himself in the story. But I remember these days very vividly, not just because of the soundtrack, but because of some incidences that happened in our school uh, environment. As I watched me to watch my brother participate in what was his first in-house athletics, and uh, what they would do, they'd set up and they'd just select at random. You're gonna, so you're gonna run. You look thin and wiry. You can run. The 800 meters, you can run the 1,500 meters. And the thinner you were, the longer you would be put down to run. Uh, so my brother also was quite buoyant and he put his hand up. Yeah, 1,500 meters, that sounds good. And uh, we, as a Phillips family, we're not runners. We, we believe we only run when we're being chased. Um, but uh, it's something where I still struggle when people tell me fun run. It's a fun run. Okay, those two words just don't go together. Just, I just don't understand it. That's, a, that's an oxymoron if you ask me. But uh, my brother put his hand up willingly. We're going to run. The, I'll run the 1,500 meters. And I remember we were all there very excited, and for all boys, school, 1,500 boys, it was a massive moment. This was a big race, all war cries were going, the adrenaline was pumping, and Simon was there in the smallest of shorts and the tiniest of vests, and he was, he was getting a little bit big, so he was flexing a little bit to the crowd, he was pumped. And uh, I remember the moment, uh, the, the, the big moment came when they said, on your marks, get set, go! And a meter race for 13, 14-year-old boys... It's quite a long distance. It's a long distance, I think, for 31, 32 year old men as well. But it's a long distance, especially when you're in your young teens. But I remember these cool. guys, Simon was up against a lot of guys who would run for the school, and they knew how to run the 1,500 meters. that you know, 1,500 meter race, you pace yourself a little bit. But Simon hadn't to been told this. He was an all or nothing guy. <laughs> okay. And as they said on your marks, let it go. Simon was off. You save bolts, eat your heart out. Okay. He had done the first 100, I think, in 11 seconds. He was done. <laughs> God, and and we, I was like, as a young brother who was besotted with all the brass, he's gonna win and break the world record! <laughs> they're so far behind! And he's screaming, the first 400 meters went by in a flash, he was just like going. And I remember after the first 400 meters, the crowd were loving this, they're like, Simon, Simon! And he was getting the crowd going as he went past. And he like, Alexa again going, We're gonna win! And I was screaming, running alongside, going, We're gonna do this! I could see the gold medal, I could see it, it's gonna be exciting! We've got a new track record for our family, we're so pumped! And then came the second 400-meter lap, and Simon, you could only see the eyes were getting a little bit wobbly. <laughs> All of a sudden, it was a, a little bit, you, know, you can see that everything was really starting to fade a little bit. And things were getting a bit blurry, but he kept going, and the arm was going to go quicker and quicker. But when he got to the third lap, all of a sudden you could see the legs were going. He was gone. And all the, the wobble went, he was not in his leg. He was going out of this lane, into his lane. And without without it was almost like a sniper took him out. So I the, Ugh! Because all of a sudden I get out a yell and fell to the floor. My parents are here, I'm not exaggerating. This was this was dramatic. And I and I was I was traumatized. I was like, what is happening to my brother? And as he lay on the floor, gasping for air, saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. The guys who started just behind just came jogging back. what is wrong with this guy? And then we on to win and Simon didn't even finish the race. And uh, I often laugh at this moment, we, there are many moments that we laugh at Simon before, but, uh, uh, but this was one that we really loved, Just was his nature, all or nothing nature. And it was beautiful to see in this naivety of the moment, but actually in terms of winning a race, he did everything wrong that was to win that race. He he did not have the skills or the ability to navigate the distance that was in front of him. He did not know what it was to actually pace himself, to to train, to win the race. He just thought, I'm in for it. And as I thought about this little analogy, I thought that is so like our our, our Christian faith. So often we start off with great intentions. We start with great passion. We start with great motivation, but we haven't been given the skills. Or the necessary equipment to navigate life's tough hurdles and challenges. And navigate the distance when the enemy comes to you, rob, steal, and destroy. We fall apart because we haven't understood the way that Jesus the shepherd says, I have a way for you to run into abundant life. Amen. And I want to help us with some skills in the next few weeks. But this morning, the best in the way I know how to do this is going straight to where, where the, the apostle uses this language to, to, to lay out the race of faith. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, the NIV translation will be behind me first. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Eugene Peterson, uh, the writer of the message, puts it this way. He says this. We'll be on the screen as well. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down. Start running. And never quit. No extra spiritual fats, No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. With that in our hearts, why don't we pray. Father. I thank you, Jesus, this this morning as we gather around your word, I thank you that we would almost hear heaven's voice saying, on your marks, get set, go. As we realize you're calling us not into passivity, not to settle in lukewarm apathy, but to run this race with perseverance and endurance for the joy set before us, for the abundant life that's ahead of us. I thank you, Father God, call us out so we may run with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts in the message and always the, my three points this morning, because I always have got to have three points to be boiled down by the way he puts in the middle of his text, he says these three ways, he paraphrases what the, the, the other versions and translations are trying to get across, he says there's three things for us, number one, strip down, number two, start running, and number three, never quit. So let me help you with that this morning. Number one, strip down. The scripture says it this way in the NLV let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let me ask you right now if we have to understand there's, a, there's the enemy's voice who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and then there's, there's the, the good shepherd's voice who's trying to lead us into abundant life. If I had to say to you, what is the, the worldly metric, what I want to imagine, what is the enemy's standard of how do we as hum- humanity should get abundant life, life to the full? the enemy would say this way, add to your life, you're missing something, you're missing out on something, fill up your life with other pleasures, other things, he'll tell you, consume more, if you want to bundle life, consume more, do more, have more, but the Jesus way, I want to tell you as I read scripture, the Jesus way is the total antithesis to that of the world. Jesus puts it this way. He calls us in that scripture to strip down. In other words, Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. He says this way, you have to die to yourself. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. The total opposite of the way of the world. The world will say, if you want more in life, you've got to add more, do more, have more, be more. But the way of Jesus says, actually, strip down. Strip down. You see, this is so huge because that is why we are fasting. Actually, one of the reasons we're fasting is to remind ourselves that we are not just a sum total of the things we eat and consume and the things we want to do, but we actually are much more, we are spiritual beings. So as we fast, we are we are starving the flesh and feeding our spirit and reminding ourselves of that, that fight that is on. But I love that scripture, how it says, throw off everything that hinders. I love that, I love that. This writer is not writing from some passive, response. You know, this, the abundant life is not one of lukewarm passivity. You can imagine, when I, if I have to say in a, another religious context, maybe uh, if in, in Buddhism or a different context, um, in, in Hinduism, a lot of things, if you say to them, actually, yeah, I want to give you the pathway to, to empty yourself, to have less of you, to have less of you and more of, of eternal bliss, that that religious notion is, you need something more like, the, the picture comes up as a Zen-like state. I'm not talking about using but you know like mm, calm down it's going to be really calm and quiet and actually let's just ease our way and we don't need that spa music you know, that nice spa whale sounds oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's be it's be really quiet. but that's not how this writer is writing In the book of Hebrews he says throw off everything that hinders everything this is not some passive it's just ease our way this is violence the violent take the kingdom by force. This is actually wrestling with our, our sin, wrestling with our flesh. And I love this understanding because there's a man in scripture that I believe epitomizes this wrestle more than, better than most. And it actually echoes with my heart. His name is Jacob in the scriptures. And I love what following his life. If you want to go navigate his life, it starts in Genesis chapter uh, 25, I think all the way through. Uh, you can go navigate his life quickly. But for time's sake, we see his whole life, Jacob's whole life, could be described like this his, his life is described as his pursuit of blessing his pursuit of the abundant life his pursuit of the more and Jacob does what every single one of us do he does exactly what Simon did my brother did in that, in that analogy he starts all about the blocks like a, like a like a train on fire but reaching and grabbing for anything that'll get him ahead but he keeps falling short so I want to help you with this his life very quickly the first thing we see of Jacob he comes out grasping so much so that actually his mom was told she had twins within it within her, uh, and uh, Esau is uh, the firstborn who was red and hairy, which I love. I love reading that about that. About. But he was red and hairy. But Jacob, the second son, it says that he would he came out grasping at the heel of his brother. So can you imagine that delivery room? The brother firstborn comes out, and the second was like, I'm not waiting in here any second longer. I want to be ahead of them. Why is he first? And pull, try to pull his way out? From birth, he comes out the womb. try to pull his way out. So much so, he's named Jacob, which means grasp at the heel or deceiver. That's why he's named it. Because he comes out trying to be ahead of his brother. And as I thought of this, I, I realized that this is the very essence of, of my heart. Often. I live with this <laughs> grasping reality. I look around and I want more and I need more. And I think I have to get ahead of that person. I've got to strive this. And actually, as I thought about it, I realized that we often are leaning into what I call the four horsemen of the grasping soul. If you want to know if your heart is positioned to that of grasping and wanting that which is not yours, is anxiety in your life? Is stress in your life? Is depression in your life? Is fear in your life? Because those four things, anxiety, stress, depression and fear, I believe are the four horsemen of the grasping soul. They are the overflow of a soul that is not content with what God has got, but actually always longing for something more that's out of their reach. Yeah. But you see the story, he doesn't just grasp, he's also someone who masks. You see, he was so desperate for his father's blessing, that years later, the story jumps forward a few years into their young adulthood, their adolescence, their, their older years, and Jacob and Esau, Esau is on is, 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 is a course, a, a track record to become the, get the blessing of his father as the firstborn, but it's his brother Jacob, who's from from birth, has not stopped trying to grasp and get ahead of his brother, trying to get the blessing, lean into the more, but not doing it God's way. Jacob comes, and in a moment of weakness, when his dad is dying and losing his sight, Jacob does this this incredible thing. He dresses up like his brother. This is this would make a great a soapy type moment. He dresses up like his brother. He puts on fake hair so that he is hairy like his older brother. He puts on the cologne of his brother so he smells like his brother. And he does go through the most extraordinary lengths to come and con his blind father so that his father gives him the blessing instead of Esau. He starts dressing himself up to look different than who he really is because he thinks, by that way I can get the blessing. And as I, as I read this again, without going too deep into that narrative, I just suddenly realized that is me so often. I start putting on a different front. Or I try and live up to a different standard. Or I pretend I'm someone else I'm really not. I'm so ashamed of other things. So I hide those things. I put forward this strong front. Why? So that I can mask my, who I really am. And show off something I'm really not. Because I think by that way I'll get approval of man. I'll get forward in life. I'll become more. I'll get what I think is the abundant life. But I want to say this statement very strongly this morning. That God can't bless who you or I Pretending to be. It's a good game. God can't bless who you and I are pretending to be. You see, we take on all these extra labels. And I, I love how it says throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That means there's two categories there throw off good things and bad things. It's not just saying, hey, just throw off simple things. No, this is, no, it's saying there are actually some good things that you need to get rid of so you can lay hold of the great thing. You see, I, I, I realize this, that pretending to be something I'm not, fudging the numbers so they tell the better story at work, hiding your pain, frantically deleting internet histories, constantly caring what so-and-so is saying about you, living for someone else's approval, it's exhausting. Or yeah. my lonely one. Now I want to say it's exhausting. It's not abundant life. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says it this way. It's on the screen behind me. It said, he who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Come
1: on. One more scripture. Okay. You ask for it.
0: Psalm 32 verse 3 to 5. David puts it this way. He says, when I refuse to confess my sin." My body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. We met with somebody a while ago who'd been keeping a sinful secret for a long time and putting a mask in the front. And he'll see it was that scripture that he could not get away with for, for years. For years, he lived with the secret, So he said, actually, I'm wasting away within me, And I'm tired and I'm exhausted. I need to tell somebody. I need to confess what this is. And God is faithful and just. Come on. You bring no, it's good. Yeah. Let me say today, maybe you're tired. Maybe you're weary and you're defeated here today. Maybe you are here. You need to be like a character in the Bible called Gideon. Gideon was a man who who had this this had this idea that to to defeat a massive army he needed thousands of men. But after consultation with God, God kept on coming back to him. He said, "God, I've got ten thousand men." God said, "Strip down. Your strength is not in, in, in the approval of man or the strength of the army." So he stripped out, stripped out till he had three hundred men. The original movie three hundred. It's in the Bible. It's just me. But I want to say, maybe you need to be like Gideon. Stop thinking you need a bigger army and send some of those voices packing. You need more friends. I need more ability. I need to be at every social event. I need to be at everything. I need everyone's approval. Maybe you need to some of those voices packing and stripped down. Maybe you like need to be like David, who had the expectations and agendas of man put on him for, for, for far too long. David wins a battle against Goliath. And what does Saul come and do first straight away? Saul comes and says, then you need my armor. And starts putting his armor on David. And starts putting his, his things on David. And David starts getting weighed down by the armor of the expectations of another man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe you've been living under expectations and agendas of man. That you need to actually cast off and strip down. Or maybe like Jacob, you've been grasping and masking sin. And calling it something else. So, ma'am, hear the voice of mercy. Strip down. Yeah, strip down. Second point this morning. Strip down. Second, you start running. I love the scripture, it says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Firstly, under that, I want to tell you, there's a call in the Gospels for you and I to be moving forward. Come on. Here's a time to an order your soul. If your soul is stagnant, if your spiritual walk is stagnant, hear the voice of God saying, I'm calling you forward. I'm calling you onwards. I'm calling you to move today. But I love this understanding that it keeps going. It says, let's run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And many people cannot run the race yet before them because they have their eyes on other people's lanes. That was really good, I'll say it again. Many people can't run the race mark for them because they have their eyes set on other people's lanes. That's good. Let me say it this way. There is a call on your life. Sir, man. There is a call on your life. You, None of you here. None of you. I really looked around earlier and I made sure. I just checked quickly who's here, who's not. I made sure I did audit. None of you here snuck in onto the planet earth by mistake. No. None of you snuck in here to be average and ordinary. And God goes, how did he get there? No. Uh, plan's right for that person. None of us did. We are not here by accident. There's a call on your life, and I want to tell you what creation knows it. The Bible says all creation waits and groans for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Creation knows it. Can I tell you? All of heaven knows it. God looks intently, and He says, that is my plan. The plan, I know the plans and purpose I have for you, says the Lord. He knows the calling on your life. Can I tell you? Satan knows the calling in your life. That is why He's coming against you. Why are you having trials and tribulations? Why are you feeling the wrestle with sin and temptation? Why? Because he knows the plans of your life and he wants to disqualify you from the plans of your life. Yeah. Creation knows it, Jesus knows it, Satan knows it. The only people who seem to be confused are you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Now, I want to say the main reason I think we are confused is because we are so often have become obsessed with other people's stories. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the simplicity of this preach if you wanted it in five seconds, it might have helped. Stay in your lane. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Is it me when I'm in traffic? It always seems that the lane next to me is moving faster than the one I'm in. Or is it just me? And you know you know that thing, you in that lane, you see it, there's a gap. You like almost crash your car just so you get it, and you can do three cars forward. Ah, like, oh, another lane. Left, back into that one. That is what we often are doing in our lives. We often are are not going when, like the, the pace of other people's lives I'm going we envy what other people are doing and we are we're criticizing what other people are doing other good things or bad things we, we are we're so obsessed with other people's stories that we're leaving our race unrun Comparison gets in our hearts, we start comparing with other people, other people's marriages, other people's husbands and wives, other people's jobs, other people's salaries. We look at that person, is look at what age they are, look at how much they are making now. We start comparing other people, look what they are doing, look how far they've got in life. But I want to say this, comparison kills calling. Comparison is the number one killer of calling. Comparison destroys destiny. Along with it, it kills your joy, it destroys your peace, it suffocates your sanity. This line has got comparison will consistently cloud the clarity of God's call on your life. Yeah. Try to say that, saying that 10 times fast. But the truth of it is real. Comparison will consistently cloud the clarity of God's call on your life. You might remember the early 2000s, America was de- besotted with WMDs, weapons of mass destruction. You know that? Almost the, the things that we look, the light, where are they? Where are they? the whole world will obsess there. I want to tell you, I think, that the... the, the People these days are obsessed with something called WMDs, Weapons of Mass Distraction. It's called social media. And social media is powerful. Why does it have such a grip? And I'm not against social media. But I know that when a it it, thing is left untamed, if that thing runs right in our lives, so it feeds something that's sick in our souls. Because why? At the very centre of it is all about you. Social Social media. It's all about us. That's why. Even when we look at other people's stories, comparison starts to grow in our hearts. Anger or joy or frustration or lust or burdens. We start looking at other people's stories and we stop running our race. In Disney, it was mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? I think now it is mirror, mirror on Facebook. Show me how my life should look. Stop and, <laughs> and maybe you go mirror, mirror on Instagram, tell me who I really am. <laughs> <laughs> I share a scripture, no one says anything. I make them arrive and go, whoa! Amazing. <laughs> All of this is just to say, I think we, we, we look into social media for what we think we're going to get of it. I'm not bashing social media. it's, a greater, it's a, just a symptom of a greater sickness in our soul that we start comparing in stories. But I want to tell you, this is what the enemy does. Why does the enemy steal, kill and destroy? Because this is who he was. He fell at comparison. He had. He was there in the angels and he looked at God and said, I want to be like God. Yes. And because of comparison, because he wasn't content in what he was called to do, he ripped out of God and he had to be cast out. That's comparison is at the very center of who the enemy is, comparison and lies. So you always make someone else's story look better than yours so that you get frustrated, you get defeated, and you lose your joy, and you lose your focus, and your calling. Because he can't kill, destroy, and steal. You see, Jacob wanted what Esau had, and it almost killed him. Saul wanted what David had, and it almost killed him. Saul, in 1 Samuel 18, if we we had time, I'd go into it. But but an amazing thing that when David comes back, Saul is the king, and he's amazing, and he's leading people well. Saul is handsome. The Bible says he is handsome. When the Bible says you're handsome... That's, it's like, you don't need a selfie. So you're like, hey, the battle's going to This is the thought of my life. But he's handsome. He's got everything going for him. But then David comes winning some battles, serving his kingdom. But the people go before him and they start singing a song. They say, David, David, Saul has killed us thousands. But David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul hears this and he starts to freak out. He says, from that moment, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And from that moment, I, I argue, it was when the kingdom of God started to slip away from Saul. Because his eyes left his calling and what God called him, and he started being obsessed with David. Keep reading, though. don't go very far. The very next line says an evil spirit came to torment him, and he started to try and kill David. I want to tell you, what has God called you to do? And when, he, when He's called you to that, I can get obsessed with many things that are out of my control. But I promise you, Gabe Phillips has been given a race that none of you have been given. A race to be an amazing husband, an incredible father, and actually an amazing pastor in this city. And I'm going to run that race, I'm not being obsessed with what other people are doing, good or bad. I'm choosing to run this race. Start running. Okay. I don't have time to get distracted and frustrated by the lanes around me. I have abundant life to go after. And serve so, man, so do you. Good game, yeah. Strip down. Start running. Third point this morning is never quit. That scripture says it this way. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Other translations say with endurance. Something Simon Phillips did not have in that run. At the lap three he was gone. But I want to sound a prophetic voice to you and I. Maybe it's for one or two people here this morning. But this is not a time for backing down. This is not a time for backing down. Ephesians 6 puts it this way. It starts talking about uh, the spiritual warfare. And says, actually, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritualities and dominions. Another way of saying, there's an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But you have abundant life to go after. And this is what he says. He says, put on the full armor of God. And then at the the end of it says, and do everything you can to stand. And he says, and when you've done everything, stand. It's so important, he says it twice. He says when you do everything you can, just stand. And when you've done that, still stand. And actually, this is the understanding for you and I in this moment. Maybe this is for one person. Hold on to God, sir man. Maybe everything is crumbling around you. Hold on to God. Let's go back to our friend Jacob and his story. His story finds its climax almost one of the most special parts of Genesis 32. He's been running from his brother Esau for decades. After conning his brother Esau out of blessing, he runs fear in his life. But well, Esau says, I'm going to spend my life trying to kill you, Jacob. So Jacob has to keep moving his family, his whole family's life, because of grasping and masking and not running his race. He ends up having to run another person's race. He's ducking and diving and weaving and bobbing and never walking into the fullness that God has for him. But he gets to a place of unmasking and running the race so that he's called to find him. But he gets a moment where he knows he's sitting on the precipice. I'm going to come face to face with Esau. And he's fearing Esau's going to kill me. He's like, I, I, I know that. But if I unmask, if I, if I stop and I start running my race, Esau's going to catch up with me and kill me. But then the story in Genesis 32 comes up. And he sends his family and his possessions over the river. And the scripture says this. And this left Jacob all alone in the camp that night. And it says this. A man came to him. And wrestled with them until the dawn began to break just a quick side note theologically when he says this in the bible a man came that appeared like an angel it's called a theophany when scholars will say it was either an angel or it was jesus himself who came in bodily form so this is god himself a representative of god whether whichever one you go for god came basically to wrestle with jacob in the night and he wrestled with jacob until the dawn this is a big wrestle this is a big fight and it says that he wrestles with the Jacob and eventually the angel or the man or, or Jesus himself touches Jacob's hip and wrenches it out of its socket. And the angel says to Jacob, let me go for the dawn is breaking. Jacob is a, he's a fighter, this guy. He's holding on. And Jacob replies to him, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The response from that Jacob being says, what is your name? To which he replies, Jacob. And at that moment, the angelic being says, "Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you'll be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men, and you have won." Profound moment. The name Jacob, which means deceiver, grasper," is changed to Israel, which means "God fights." God fights. Let me say in this moment: you might, you may, your night right now may seem the darkest. Your finances, your 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 future, your relationships, your pain. Your, your flashbacks, your sin might seem the darkest, but I want to tell you, it's not the time to quit. Maybe this is for one person here today. Don't quit. On. Don't, quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop praying. Don't stop worshipping. Don't stop seeking God with all your might. Strip down, stop running, never quit. You see I, I come into land in this, this moment by, because there's an amazing moment this Jacob figure floats through the, the Old Testament quite, but not with much much less good things said about him than bad things. You you almost can hardly find a good thing said about him. There often people say that often the author of Genesis, Moses, potentially had a grudge against Jacob when he wrote it. That's what people said. They said he probably would have wanted to favor Esau, but he almost couldn't in the retelling of the narrative. So he hardly can find a good thing about Jacob. But then in Exodus chapter three, we find that God has changed his name to Israel, Jacob to Israel, but Exodus chapter 3, this man, Moses, who wrote this book years later, is hiding in the wilderness, far away from the purposes and call of God, a man who's murdered, uh, a man in Egypt who's running away from his past, who has got a whole new story, he probably is flicking through Instagram of Egypt every now and again, going, flipping, I could have been there, I was supposed to be the prince, but now I'm 40 years in the desert, my story is this, and he's starting to quit and everything inside of him is starting to fall away as he's got nothing left. And the amazing thing is God comes and meets with him there in profound moments, just I believe like this morning could be for someone here. God meets him in the midst of his depravity and his brokenness and his, his exile. And God says this profound phrase to him. He says, Moses, I am speaking to you, God. He says, who are you, God? He says, I am the God of Abraham. And I imagine as he said that, Moses would God, yep, Abraham. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I need to talk to the God of Abraham because Abraham, God of Abraham. Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was a man who believed God. He was, he was a man who considered uh, was considered righteous. He was a man who was when he was thought as good as dead, gave birth to a son that would become the seed of the Messiah 42 years later. So, so most of us said, yes, I want the God of Abraham to be on my side. But God didn't finish. God said, I'm the God of Abraham. Then we took a breath. and said, I'm the God of Isaac. And most of us yes, I need the God of Isaac right now. You see, because Isaac is, is the man that I need. You know, Isaac was the promised child. Isaac was the miracle child. He was the consequence of his father's faith. faith. He was the evidence of things not seen. I need the Isaac. I need the God of Isaac. And then God does something so profound. He says, I'm the God of Abraham. Isaac. Should have said, and Israel, but he doesn't. God changed his name to Israel, but God's now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is quite shocking if you think about it because names are changed. Abraham's name had to change from Abraham to Abraham, and God calls him Abraham, but in this instance, he refers to Jacob, the trickster, the con artist, the grasper, the, 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 the masker, the one who was ducking and diving. Why this is so profound for you and I is in that moment. Moses didn't need the promise of a God who was leading on to a promised future version of himself, but a God who says, I'm right here in your mess, who identifies with your lowest and the most broken. Let me tell you, he's the God of not where you wish you were, he's the God of where you are now. In your darkest day, in your most broken moments, your most fearful moments, he's that God, he's here with you. I want to tell you, this is the incredible good news of the gospel, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Which means he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Gaeb. That means he's the God of Gabriel, Abraham, Isaac, and, 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 and Adam. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and every, whatever name you want to put in there, That hears your story. He identifies with the worst. He I've got the best for you. Come on. Let me tell you, how do we do this? And the whole thing culminates, the whole scripture lands. It says, throw off everything that it And the sin that so easily entangles and start running the race with perseverance marked out for you. Strip down, start running, never quit. But a great news, it gives us the how and the power. It says, we do this by how? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author, pioneer of faith. The one who started it and the one who promises he will finish it. Yeah. The, your middle right now might be in brokenness. Your middle might be in chaos right now. Your middle might be fearful right now. You don't have answers for your kids. You don't have answers for this moment. You have anxiety about your grandchildren. You've got anxiety about your future. In the middle right now, he says, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. This is the story that God wants you to put in our hearts today. Strip down life changes. Start right now. Never pretend. Can we step out from please? I'm gonna ask the team if they can come up front today, because you guys want to pray. Just stand up here. I really believe some people need this is a moment for some people who are saying, actually I need to unmask myself. I've been carrying stuff over for way too long, and I need God to meet me. I've got to unmask myself, and I want to come and find God. Maybe some people say, I've been comparing, and I, I can't do that anxiety that, that, that's gripping my soul. I want to start running my race, the call that God's got for me. Well, maybe this is for you, and maybe this is for one or two of you saying, actually, I felt like quitting. I felt quitting my marriage. I felt like quitting my business. I felt like quitting my dream. I felt like quitting my future. I felt like quitting my faith. But today, that word is for me. I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to hold on to God. I want to tell you today is your day for for breakthrough. Your day is a day to see God's hand. start to seep at your life, with abundant life. Sir, ma'am, don't stay in passivity of your soul. Don't stay in the passivity of your life. The enemy is killing, robbing, and stealing. But the good shepherd is here to give you abundant life. Can we lift our hands to Jesus? Father, I pray for every single person here right now. I pray for your favor and your blessing upon them. Right now your voice to reach them say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac and your worst day. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and your greatest weakness. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and your greatest tragedy. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and your worst motive. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and your deepest sin, your deepest regret, your deepest hurt, your deepest brokenness, your deepest fear of the future. I am that God. When we get that revelation, I thank you, Father God. Every heart here would strip down. Take off the masks. Take off the grasping. They'll start to run. The race marked out for them. And they'll never quit holding on to you, Jesus. I pray this for everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to say as we land. If you need a prayer for any one of those things, and you're saying, I need to move from passivity, don't leave here just by getting out into the, into the chaos of life and moving on. Please come up for prayer. Please come up for prayer. Come and ask them if you need to confess things, if you need to share things. He's an amazing team that we trust and will minister to you. So let's do that together as a family. Otherwise, have a fantastic week. We love you deeply. Some of you will see you tonight as so we celebrate. But otherwise, strip down, start running, and never quit.